to In the Word with Pastor Don Haskins, where we open up the Bible to see what God's Word says and how it might apply to our lives. Our prayer is that you allow Jesus to change you from the inside out. And now, today's lesson. Ephesians chapter 1, Paul writing, he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus in Calvary Chapel and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us, past past tense, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons and daughters by Jesus Christ to himself. Know that when he says, when they use the word sons, that's a generic term for people. Sons and daughters, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he has made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the richness or the riches of his grace, which he made abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined, according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, that the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and he sealed him, or seated him, I'm sorry, at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Father, we have before us a passage that is so chock full of blessing, of information, of wisdom, of discernment, of knowledge, of truth, of prudence. 
of purpose, of plan, insight into your heart. Help us, Lord. As we go through the book of Ephesians, this letter of Paul to the Ephesian believers, Lord, help us to understand your heart. Not just for what you had for the Ephesian believers, but also the believers there in Ephesus, but also for us. Here in the modern day, 2018, Calvary Chapel, may we see us in this passage. May we understand the truths that are are long-standing. They're 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 true of all ages, of those who love you, those who believe in you, those who stand in your name. May we, Lord. Understand this passage as we move through it, this letter. Help us, Lord, to grow in grace. Help us to grow in knowledge. Help us to grow in wisdom. Help us to grow in the purpose and the the callings of which you've called each and every single one of us. To the praise of your glory, may we do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What we have here is uh, Paul talking to the church of Ephesus and Paul, he has shared with them that they have been and you and I have been. One of the things that we're doing on Tuesday night with the men is that we're going through how to study the Bible. And it's called the inductive Bible study uh, method of going through the Bible. And basically what that is, is that you look at a passage, you observe a passage, you observe a verse, you observe a paragraph, you observe a chapter, you take it, you know, slice by slice. And as you go through and you you look at a passage, here we just read Ephesians chapter 1, what we would do is we would observe this passage and we would we would just take out words or phrases that pique our curiosity. Why is it that we're, why is it that these words, these specific words are used in this passage or in this verse? What is it that Paul is saying? What is it that Paul is trying to, to articulate? What does this mean? What, what is the, I, I want to know something more about this word or something more about this, this phrase. And so we write that down in observation. We don't do anything other than just write down what it is that we want to understand a little bit more of. Okay? And so we might look at, in, in verse 3, we might look at this and say, Blessed be God, be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. And so as I look at those two verses, that is just so chock full of information right there that we would observe almost every word. Because there's so much. Blessed, what does that mean? God. What and who is God? Father. How does that relate to God? Of our Lord Jesus Christ. How is it that this relationship is from the Lord Jesus Christ to Father God? What's the relationship there? We'd want to know that. Is Lord Jesus Christ, is that his first, middle, and last name? (laughs) Donald Paul Haskins. 
Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, not that that's not true. What I'm saying, that's not how Jesus is referred to. Lord is a title. It's 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 a it's a salutation, if you will. It's a position. He's Lord. Jesus is his name, meaning Yahweh is salvation. Jehovah is salvation. It's through Jesus. It's through God. Jesus is God. Through him, we have salvation. Christ is the anointed one. It's the chosen one. It's the one that had been foretold or prophesied. All of this. And so we'd look at this and we'd go, well, I'd want to know what the Lord Jesus Christ is, but I'd also like to know what does Lord mean? What does Jesus mean? What does Christ mean? So we'd observe that. Who has blessed us? Who's us? What does it mean by bless? How can he bless? I'd want to know blessed. I'd want to know us. Who is it that he's talking about? With every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. What does it mean by every? What is every spiritual blessing in the heavenly? I want to know. I'd want to observe that. I'm going, hey, that piques my curiosity. I'm doing this for a reason. Because number one, it kind of helps the men to recapture and kind of look and see, you know, that, hey, we're on the right track. We're, we're doing what we're, you know, we're studying. Uh, we're talking about what we're studying on Tuesday night. But number two, it gives you a little insight in, into how I study. I, I look at the passage. I observe. I then interpret. And then I apply. Those are the three aspects of inductive Bible study. You observe. Then you interpret what you have observed. And then once you understand you've observed this, you've interpreted what that means in the time that it was, in what the time even today it might mean, what it might mean, what did the actual text mean, and take away from what it means today. The interpretation is, what did it mean then? But understand, when you interpret a passage, when you go into application... You observe, then you interpret what that meant there, but then when you apply that passage, that third step, the third and final step, you take that application, and that application is, what does that passage, what is that observed, interpreted word or or statement or phrase, what does that mean for me today? That's application. But understand this, please understand this, Otherwise, you can create a cult. What the passage meant then is what the passage means today. Okay? You can't change it. Oh, well, he said this for them. Well, that means for us, that means something different. No, that, that, no, no. Now you're, now you're becoming extra biblical. Now you're taking the step out of the realm of the safety of the gospel, the safety of God's word, and you're jumping into and you're venturing into your opinion. And your opinion, my opinion, plus $20.15 will give you a small cup of coffee at Starbucks. It really isn't going to buy anything for you. You and I, our opinions don't matter when it comes to the word of God. What does the Word of God say? What does the Word of God mean? And what it says and what it means to them is what it says and what it means to us. Does that make sense? And if if we stray off of that, if you ever stray off of that, you've strayed away from God's Word. So you got to be careful. 
When someone says, hey, he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly. Well, here's the thing. God's blessed me with two wives. No, he didn't. You've added something in there. Oh, well, God's blessed me with, you know, and now you have something that maybe, and I, I said something that's extreme out there, but something that is is counter to what the word of God says. And you say, well, God's blessed me with that. Well, maybe God hasn't blessed you with it. Maybe Satan has blessed you with something to keep you away from the Lord. Have you ever thought about that? We never give, we never come back on Satan and say things. We never blame him for anything. Look at your insurance policy. There's a lot of things that your insurance policy on your home or whatever is going to cover. But there's one little area in there that it doesn't cover. In case of acts of God... God always gets the bad rap for any negative thing that happens. When in all actuality, the prince of the power of the air today is none other than Satan. Jesus talks about that. Paul talks about that. But here's the thing. Maybe you're being blessed by the enemy to keep you from living in the fullness of God. And so we got to be careful. The things that you're blessed with, are they mentioned in Scripture? Are, are they accepted in Scripture? If not, well, that was a cultural thing back then, but today we accept something different as culture. Be careful. You then are venturing into very troublesome waters. Where does that end? Where does that end? I'm going to be very gross here. What if, what if our culture ends up going into a, an area of pedophilia and says, hey, it's okay. It, would it that be okay then? Absolutely not. That's gross. That's 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 heinous. But see, for the extreme, they might look at that and go, "Well, don't be so extreme." Well, sometimes we need to look at the extreme to understand how foolish we are when we try to culturalize our sin. And try to justify it by saying, well, it's a cultural thing and we're okay with it. When God says something is wrong in the Bible, then guess what? It's wrong now, right? So what the Bible says then to them means the same thing for us today. We can't erase that. And when we do, we then venture into our opinion and our opinion is going to keep a lot of people out of heaven. You evangelize your opinion. You're not the one who died on that cross. And your opinion is going to lead people down roads that are going to send them to hell. It's God's plan. It's God's purpose. It's God's word. Don't add to it. Don't take away from it. Just do what the word of God says. There's a lot of safety in that. So if you observe a passage, you interpret what it says to them, what it means to them, what it meant back then, and now you apply it to your life today. And as you apply it to your life today, one of the things that you do, as and what I'm trying to talk to the men about on Tuesday night is as we're looking in here and, and, and we begin to understand how to bring in the application. One of the ways that I bring in application is that I, in a very broad stroke, very painter's broad stroke in how I apply scripture. 
is that I just change all, I think they call personal pronouns. Is that what it is? Personal pronouns? Is that right? The you's and us? Okay. I, I change all those to, to me. Okay. So, so I'll look at verse three. I say, you know, uh, blessed be the God and Father of my Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed me with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose me in him. You see the personalized, how I'm personalizing scripture? And it helps me to understand how Paul was talking to them, but also the word is still saying the same thing to me today. God has blessed me. Sometimes we don't feel that way. Sometimes we think that God's cursing us. Sometimes when we're going through, you know, a row in our life, it's, it's a tough, tough row. You've heard the term, it's a tough row to hoe. That means that, you know, a farmer, it's just this, this ground is so fallow. Fallow means it's hard. It, it's, it, you can't dig it up. It's a tough row to hoe and, and, and dig up the ground. It's so difficult. And I don't know if any of you guys have ever done any gardening and you've tried to break through hard ground. One of the ways that you do it, one of the ways to do break up fallow ground or hard ground, what's, what's one way to do it? Add water. Huh? Add water. Add water. Let it soak, man. Here's the cool application for that, guys. The Holy Spirit is known as the living water. The Holy Spirit gushing. Add the Holy Spirit. And as you add the Holy Spirit to the fallow ground of your life or your heart, your mind, your opinions, your, your, your ways, you allow the Holy Spirit to soften that fallow ground so that the, the row can be cut much easier. And God can, God can go in and, and create the trench in order to establish where the water is going to go and have the little hill where the seeds are going to go to where both will work in concert one another in order to produce a very mature bush, a fruit-bearing plant. And, and, and so here's the thing. When we look at Scripture and we apply it, we, we, we personally apply what that does is that it breaks up the the hard ground of my own heart. I have to look at this and I have to, wow, Paul, you were saying this to them, but this is what God is saying to me. Don, I, I, I have blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. I have blessed you. That would be one of those words that I would... Who has blessed us. That's one of those observation words that we'd want to talk about. Why would we say he has blessed us? What is the word has? What tense is that in? That's in a past tense. That's not in a future tense. And yet so many people will take that and go, well, yes, of course. Remember Jesus talking to Mary and Martha when their brother Lazarus had died? Remember Martha ran to him on the road and, and, and she's going, Oh Lord, if you only would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And he goes, Did I not tell you that your, you, your brother will rise again? Well, I know, but I know in the resurrection, but come on. And she was looking in the future. And Jesus was talking about the present. He was talking, he was talking about what was about to happen. 
what he was going to do. We've all lost people that we love. Can you imagine what would go through your heart if that person was brought back to life? That'd blow your mind. Especially when it was, when the wound was, was fresh. As it was with Mary and Martha. They loved their brother so much and here he is, he's gone. And Jesus says, I told you. Your brother's going to live again. I know. And they went down the road that you and I oftentimes go down. I know, but it's in the future. One day I'm going to see him again. And Jesus is going, no, 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 no. No, I have a plan for today. Now, granted, Jesus doesn't raise everybody else from the dead at that moment. He did for Mary and Martha. Imagine what happened to their joy. What happened to their depression? It went away. I can't remember what what somebody once said that uh, you ever notice that Jesus never went to a funeral. <laughs> the funeral never ended when Jesus was there because everybody would always rise again and, and, and so in the past tense it speaks so much more to me than in the future tense the thief has come to steal, kill and destroy but I have come that you might have life many pastors will preach from the pulpit you're going to be blessed in heaven one day so just keep your eyes focused on that. Well, I say, Jesus said, I came that you might have joy and that your joy might be full. He's not saying, I'm, I, I came that your joy would be full when you're dead. I came that you might have life and that more abundantly in heaven. Well, of course, in heaven, that's future. But to the today, I came that you would have life. It's in the here. It's in the now. And what Paul is saying, that God has already done something for us and we're, we're missing it sometimes. We miss it oftentimes. God has blessed you. He has blessed me in the past tense in every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. God has offered to you Does that mean that every single thing that you want, God's going to give to you? God, I want an island. Poof. God's not a genie that is going to give you an island. He would never want you to have to work so hard to keep that island up anyways. You know. Well, I didn't ask for an island. I just want a Ferrari. You know, there's certain things that God... God wants to put in your life and there's certain things that God wants to keep out of your life. Can you imagine if God would have answered every one of your prayers? I wouldn't be married to my wife. I wouldn't be married to her. I would have missed out. I would have missed out on my son. I would have missed out on you because I wouldn't have been back here. I would have been somewhere else. You would have been somewhere else. 
There's a lot of things that if God would have been just our proverbial genie in the sky. But God God doesn't look at us that way. God has a plan for you and I. And he does want to bless you. He does want to bless me. But as we look at Scripture and we see the observation, we see the interpretation, we see the application, and as we move into verse 4, it's something that we can spend six weeks on and never get to the bottom of it. And so I'm going to take about 10 minutes. And hopefully it'll it'll suffice enough, but it's going to, it's going to create a bunch of questions. I promise it will. Paul, he writes, he says, just as he, God chose us in Jesus, in Christ, just as God, he chose us in him, just as God the Father chose us in Christ, before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he has made us accepted in the heavenly or in, in, in the beloved and, and so we look at there's a couple of words there that, that we're, we're going to look at and, and one is chosen he's chosen us just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestined us so God chose us God chose now I'm going to personalize God chose me he predestined me to be adopted cool thing about adoption is in a natural birth and we all know this, right? In a natural birth, you get what you get. You don't throw a fit. That's, I learned that back from my kids, you know, K4 class, you know. You get what you get and you don't throw a fit. Mrs. Donna Benjamin, thank you very much. You get what you get and you don't throw a fit. I learned that at Calvary Chapel School. Because we're never satisfied, always. Sometimes we're totally satisfied. And hopefully with the child that God gave to you, you're extremely satisfied. But God gave you kids and you get what you get and you don't throw a fit and you make the best of it and, and guess what? You did and, and it came out awesome, didn't it? So here's the thing. When you adopt, there's something different that goes on. You don't just get what you get. You choose. You've picked. You've handpicked. You've said, I want, I want you. I want you so much that I will go through the financial burden. I will go through the legal burden. I will go through every avenue I have to go through in order to make you a part of my life. To bring you in and become a family member. I think that that's one of the special things about adoption is that you were chosen. And that's the cool thing about us in Christ. We've been adopted into the family of God. God chose you. God handpicked you. Think about that for a second. I know I've used this illustration before and I'll use it a million more times. That's an exaggeration, but I will use it a lot more times. 
in the time that God gives me on this earth. But if if on that side of the room, all the way over there, that represented a, 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 a there was a line that was drawn from that side over to this line, and and every single little spot on that line, all the way across, I mean, being a cell width, I mean, just so 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 small. That from that line to this line are billions, trillions of people that are on that line. And let's say that it's in this little stage right here, and it's only about this big. I mean, it's about this big on all of those people that have lived upon the face of the earth. And it's just this little quarter inch spot right there in front of us. And that's where we are living right now. Now let's take that and let's blow it up, okay? Now you can be a Tony Stark kind of a thing. Okay, now we've just made that big, okay? There's for my Marvel friends. We've just made that big. Now this is our lifetime. To sit here and look at our lifetime line, to sit here and to think that God went along that line and said you and you and you. And you, you ever remember being on the playground back in elementary school and you were getting chosen for a team to play on? I know that there's some of you, as I just heard from the very front row, I never got chosen. <laughs> you eventually got chosen. You had to. Maybe you were that kid. They go... All right, you're on our team. <laughs> All right, come on, come on. Uh, you know, but here's the thing: you were chosen. You had to go on a team. Now, minus that humorous view of of that picture, to think that. Someone came and handpicked you. God handpicked you. Whoops, I almost fell. Um, God handpicked you. <laughs> God handpicked you. His finger, as it went along through the through the the history of the life that we're living in, this timeline that we're living in, when his finger came to you, it stopped and it said, "Yes, Don, you're on my team. I adopt you." When when God's hand went by you, when his eyes went by you, it stopped. And he says, I pick you. God didn't pick you by going, ah, all right, you're on my team. He didn't do that. He didn't do that. That's not how God did that. No, no, God looked at you and said, yes, on my team. You're on my team. You're on, you're in my family. I want to adopt you as my son or my daughter. To have every right of a child. To have every blessing of a child. Of everything that I give to my kids, you have it all. You have it all. You have access. You have everything. That I have afforded to every one of my kids, you have it. I choose you. Now, what that does, this is where we get into some issues, right? Wait a minute. Doesn't God say... In John 3.16, it's the most famous, one of the most famous verses in all of the Bible, right? Uh, you know, maybe second only to Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. 
think everybody pretty much knows Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? We know that. I think probably the second most favorite or famous verse is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, that's a word that we'd want to highlight. That's the observer we'd want to owe. We'd want to observe. We'd want to interpret. And then we'd want to apply that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So what does that whosoever mean? That means whosoever would choose God and believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life, right? Whoever would choose to accept Jesus' death on the cross, his resurrection from the dead, if you choose that, you will be saved. And you will not perish, but you will have everlasting life. So if the Bible says... Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, Romans chapter ten, uh, chapter 9. Here's the thing. Whosoever shall, shall uh, believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. If you are that person, if you are the whosoever, there's a band out in California called the whosoevers. If you, and there's people that wear badges around, and if you ever see that kind of a little button or a little, you know, uh, a, a, a little plaque or a little, you know, badge on somebody that says whosoever, you know what it is that they're saying. They're saying, I'm a whosoever. I chose the Lord. I choose Jesus. That's what I choose. I choose Jesus. I'm a child of the King. I'm a child. You were born that way? No, I was adopted. He chose me. Wait a minute. I thought you said you chose him. Well, I did. Well, did you do the choosing or did he do the choosing? That's where a problem comes in. Who did the choice? The Bible says that from the foundation of the world, he chose you. Well, then, then doesn't that take the responsibility away from me to choose him? If he already chose me, I cannot not choose him. You know, the funny thing is, is that the Bible will talk over and over and over again about how God chooses you for eternity, for salvation. Can I tell you this? You'll find nowhere else in any, you'll find nowhere in Scripture where God says, I chose you for hell. But some people like to try to bring this into logic and 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 bring it in such logic that says, well, Here's logic. Logic says that if he chooses some for heaven, then it means that he's choosing others for hell. Wait a minute. Now you're putting responsibility on God that he does not own in Scripture. He doesn't lay it out. He doesn't describe it. He doesn't say in Scripture that I chose some for destruction. I I chose some for hell. And so how do we reconcile the two? You see, that's the whole issue between, and if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, or maybe you've just been a Christian for a, a short amount of time, but you've heard two names. And these two names, you go, well, I, I'm going to have to do some research on that one of these days to find out what it is that they're talking about. What's the issue? One is Jacobus Arminius. And one is John Calvin. If you're an Arminianist, you believe that you have to choose God. It's all on man's responsibility. You're the one that has to do the choosing. If you're a hyper-Calvinist, 
And I say hyper-Calvinist because it's taking it to the nth degree. To the Calvinist, he says, well, the Calvinist says, you have absolutely no ability to choose. You can't choose. God chose you. This is proof text right here. God chose you from the foundation of the world. And to that I would say, you're right. God chose me. Ah, well then you can't be an Arminianist. I don't know. Because the Bible says that I'm supposed to choose him too. And therein lies two parallel lines that will never meet. Because the Bible does say I'm supposed to choose him, right? Whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. These guys say, oh, well, God God said, I choose those to go to heaven, which means that he chose others to go to hell. Well, then you have to discount what the Bible says, that God is not willing that any would perish. Because if God isn't willing that any should perish, if he doesn't want anybody to go to hell, then what you're saying is that God is a liar. That God, that was an ingenuous feeling or a statement about God because God actually did choose some to go to hell. And God is willing that some would perish. But you see, the problem you begin to get into is you begin to add to Scripture because it works better in your brain in order to say, well, God did the choosing and I had no part of it. And we have problems. This has been a debate that has been debated and debated and debated ad nauseum for 1500 years. And so here's the thing. You can't, you can't come. You can't come to a, a, a true, you're not gonna, you're never gonna come to a place. And I know every time I say that, I always will have somebody come up and say, well, here, I, I, I think I got it. <laughs> no, you don't. You don't. Nobody has. There's going to be a fault in your reasoning. There's going to be a problem in your reasoning. It's either God chose or man chose. Both of them are 100% correct. I have to choose God or I'm not going to be saved. He has to choose me or I'm not going to be saved. The Bible says he chose me from before the foundation of the world. D.L. Moody, you know what he said? D.L. Moody said, I am sure glad that God chose me from the foundation of the world because I guarantee you, if he chose me after I was alive, he wouldn't have chosen me. (laughs) You understand that, right? I know me. That's what he's saying. I know me. That was silly to try to do this in 10 minutes. I got to end. We'll pick this up next week. But here's the thing. Can I just tell you this? Don't fret. Don't fret over who chose who. Choose Christ. You want to go to heaven? Now, hypers over here will say, the hyper-Calvinists will say, don't give someone the false sense of security that they're going to go to heaven because what if God didn't choose them? Don't tell somebody how they can be saved because if you do and they believe, what you're doing is you're teaching them a lie because what if God hadn't chosen them and my answer to them has always been maybe God didn't choose you and you're living a lie. (laughs) And you're arguing a point that you're going to go to hell in the end of the day. 
the end of your life. You're done. You're toast. And God's just using you. That sinister plan to use you to make you live a lie your whole life. Well, no, 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 no. I, 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 I'm, I'm saved. What, you got a burning in your bosom? Like the Mormons feel? Well, I've got a burning in my bosom. And so therefore I must be saved. I've looked in the Bible, I've never seen a burning in the bosom. Not seeing the burning in the bosom as the, as the, the litmus test or, or the, 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 the point that says, hey, I've got a burning in the bosom, you're saved. Stamp, approval, boom. No. You know what it is? It's belief. And, and, and so here's the thing. I would just say, stop trying to argue a point that can't be satisfied. I can't do it. I can't do it. How do I reconcile that God chose me from the foundation of the world? When God says, it's my responsibility to choose him too. The only way I can do it is to say, okay, I'm going to accept both as 100% accurate. God, you chose me from the foundation of the world. But you've called me to choose you. I'm going to choose you to find out that you chose me from the foundation of the world. I will oftentimes illustrate it this way. If, if above the door to leave today, let's just pretend that that's the door to heaven. It's not because the world's out there, okay? But let's just say that that door right there represents the door to heaven and Peter's there. <laughs> I don't know why Peter is always the one that's at the door. I think it might be Thomas. But um, just joking. But to say that that door right there is the door to heaven. Above the door, it gives you your instructions. It says heaven, eternity, whosoever will may enter through this door. I look at that door. I see heaven. Whosoever will may enter through this door into heaven. It says whosoever. So that means anybody. I'm in anybody. Do I want to go to heaven? Yeah, I think I do. I, I really, really, really do want to go to heaven. Yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going through that door. I'm going to go through that door. And you walk through the door. You walk through that door. Okay? And you get over there. And Again, this is an illustration. There are holes that can be in it, okay? But I walk through that door under my volition, my own volition. I've chosen to go through that door because I have accepted what it said above it. And I go through that door. And as I go through that door and I'm on the other side of that door and I'm entered into heaven and I'm like, wow! Which I think is probably going to be the most often used word in heaven is wow. Okay? Wow! I mean, this? I just walked through that door? I, I came that door... And I look at the door. 
And I see that door that I just walked through that said, Heaven, whosoever will may come and enter into heaven. I just walked through that, but there's a sign above the door on this side that says, You were chosen to walk through that door from the foundation of the world. Now, am I going to stomp my feet and say, I didn't have a choice in that, God. I refuse to be here because you made me come. Am I going to be upset? I'm not going to be upset because I'm going to know that God loved me and he chose me. Well, then I still have a problem with that, Pastor Don, because does that mean that God doesn't love others? No, that doesn't mean that at all. As is referenced earlier, God's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. God God isn't going, hoo-hoo! God gave his son, again, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He didn't just, he didn't just so love the chosen, those he would choose. He loved everyone. He loved you. He loved the unlovable. He loved everyone so much that he would send his son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. To the hyper-Calvinists, they'll change songs. There's a song called uh, Purify My Heart Let Me Be As Gold And Precious Silver You know that song? Refiner's Fire Remember that song? My heart uh, Maybe I'm not singing it right Because <laughs> I'm not seeing anybody go, yeah Just Would you nod yes so that I can stop singing? Okay, you've heard that song Even if you're lying but the song in the song it it says it sings I choose to be holy set apart for you Lord I choose to be holy set apart for you my master ready to do your will to the hyper Calvinists they've changed the words to that song to I'm chosen to be holy. And I'm going, don't do our worship songs that way, man. Have, were you chosen? Yeah, you were chosen. Does that mean that others are not chosen? You can't logically come to that realization and, and that, that determination when you say, yes, God chose others for hell. And they would argue, how can you not? That's logic. Because you have no other area in Scripture that would support your argument that God chooses anyone for hell. The Bible doesn't say that God chooses anyone for hell. But it says all over the place, God chooses from the foundation of the world those who will be in heaven. I don't know how it all works. Neither do you. All I know is that I'm going to live how both of them teach. I'm going to choose God and I'm going to understand that he chose me. And you know what? I can live with that. Because if I have to understand every detail of his ways, then I'm never going to be saved. Because I don't understand the Trinity. And yet I believe it. I don't understand God being always there. 
Never having a beginning and never having an ending. Everything that I know in my life, everything that you know in your life has a beginning and an ending. But God is the only thing that has no beginning and no ending. Well, where did he start? He never started. He always was. Sit in a dark room with a candle lit and look at that flaming, you know, candle for seven hours and freak your brain out for a second, you know. You aren't going to come to, you're going to, it's going to blow your mind. He had no beginning? Well, well, there had to be a beginning. Why? Because everything I know had a beginning and has an ending. Well, except for God. Well, I can't accept that because I can't logically put that in my mind. Well, then I'm going to say you have a very shallow mind. You have elevated your brain, your logic, to, to the God level status. Unless you can completely answer the question, you will not believe it. I do not understand electricity. But I know that if I go back to that light switch and I turn it on, this is going to come on. And when I need any more information, I talk to Andy. <laughs> He's the electrical engineer and knows everything about electricity. Sorry, kids, Andy's probably going to get a bunch of phone calls now because anybody who has any electrical problems, there it is. He's your man, okay? He'll take your phone calls 24 hours a day, especially between 3.30 and 4.30 a.m. All right? Um, <laughs> but uh, he has answered more questions for me on electricity than I would care to admit to any of you. But you know what? Here's the thing. He understands it. I'm satisfied that he understands it. I don't have to understand it. I just have to understand that I flip the thing on and guess what? Woo! Miracle happens light. He understands how all that works. And I'm okay with that. God chooses. I choose him. I'm okay with that. I hope you're okay with that. Know this. If you're saved, you were chosen. If you were chosen, you can feel special that God handpicked you. God handpicked you. Now, let's go and live like it. Amen? Father, thank you so much for today. And, and Lord, I know that 20 to 25 minutes explaining this topic and I know we'll be talking about it again because it will speak on it again a little bit later in this passage Lord help us not to get so hung up in what we cannot completely articulate verbally of what would seem to be an issue Lord help us to just bask in knowing that you chose us that, Lord, if we, if, if we don't have a relationship with you and we're placing it on you saying, well, I'm not saved right now and it's your fault, God, because I am not saved, Lord. For any person that feels that way right now, Lord, let them just humble their heart, come to you and invite you into their heart as their Lord and Savior. It's at that moment that they can understand that they have been chosen from the foundation of the world. For all who will may come. That's what your word says. Verbatim. It's factual. I will. I willed to come to you. Now you gave me the will. I understand. You chose me. I understand. But God, you placed it in my heart to come to you. And I love you, Lord. And I thank you that I am saved for the rest of my eternity. Not based upon what I do, what I don't do, but it's all because of what you've done. And I feel honored and I feel blessed and I am humbled.
that you, God, would choose me from before I was even, before I even existed. You chose me. You knew all the stupid stuff that I would do in my life, and yet you still picked me. There's stupid stuff that I still have yet to commit, and you chose me. I am humbled, Lord, that you chose me. I'm Every one of us in this room are humbled that you chose us. Each one of us know how wicked our hearts can become and how wicked our minds can be and how sinful we can be at times. And maybe it's not something that we act out with our hands or with our flesh, but Lord, it's what goes on in our minds and in our hearts that no one sees but God. As it has been said today, our deepest, darkest secrets, our deepest, darkest thoughts that we feel are contained within us is actually open scandal in heaven. And you see it. And you love us still. You saw it before we ever even had those thoughts. And yet, God, you, you chose us in you from the foundation of the world. God, there's nothing that we can say except we are utterly humbled and thankful and grateful that you chose us. We're blessed. Thank you, God, that you loved us and you chose us. In spite of us. Thank you, Lord. I pray, Lord, that we can walk out of here in victory knowing that if we're saved, we've been handpicked by the king. And if we've been handpicked by the king, we are adopted sons and daughters of you. We're royalty. We can walk in you. There's nothing to fear. For if God be, if God, your word tells us in, in Romans chapter 8, verse 31, if God be for us, who can be against us? And I would add, if anyone is, who cares? Because we have you that we're walking with. Lord, you've chosen us. Now, Lord, may we walk as royal. May we walk as kings and priests. May we walk as sons and daughters of a king, living life in such a way that we can present the blessings to others to offer anyone to have what we have, a relationship with the uncreated God who has a passion and a love beyond our comprehension for mankind, for us, in spite of our sin. God, thank you. We love you. May we just bask on this knowledge that you chose us this week and the blessings that come with being handpicked by the King. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for listening. So, did Jesus cause a change in you today? Or do you need prayer? We'd love to hear from you. Please contact us by visiting our website at calvarychapelcf.com or call our office at 941-926-3717. That's 941-926-3717. Again, thanks for listening to In the Word with Pastor Don.